Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange Brown Talk podcast here on a Wednesday. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Lance Reisland is coming up later. We're going to break down a little bit of uh, film from the game on Sunday, but we're also going to look a little bit ahead to the Texans. Uh, we'll have our preview pod coming up later in the week as well. Normally on Friday, it'll still be on Friday. We'll have another, another pod for you Thursday. So we're getting you ready for wild card weekend here on the podcast. Let's do this today. We'll do two segments. We'll do one today and one tomorrow. Everybody's going to be mad when they see the headline tomorrow. I was thinking, let's do three reasons the Browns can make it to the Super Bowl, and then tomorrow we'll do three reasons why they might not make it to the Super Bowl. So let's be positive today. Let's be uh, optimistic. I couldn't think of the word because I'm an English major. Um, Mary Kay, what's a reason the Browns are going to make it to the Super Bowl? Well, first of all, when you do tomorrow's headline, just make something else up. Oh, yeah. Besides three reasons why they don't make it to the Super Bowl. We'll pretend it's like three reasons why they're going to win the wild card game. Yeah, there we go. Like that, there right? We go. And then, you know, and then... Then we'll maybe taper it off. And then they might not win some games <laughs> after that one. But, but this week, go. they're good. Exactly. Um, so, one of the reasons why they will make it to the Super Bowl this year is because of one Joe Flacco. He's been there before. Not only has he been there before, he's been a Super Bowl MVP. Can you believe that? The Browns went out and found a quarterback sitting on the couch in South Jersey who's a Super Bowl MVP (laughs) with plenty of left in that cannon of an arm of his. Just hanging out, eating some pizza, waiting for somebody to call. (laughs) And lo and behold, they have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions on that Super Bowl run that he made in 2012. So, can it happen again? Yes, it can happen again because they're calling a very aggressive game plan for him. He's got Amari Cooper. He's got David Njoku. They can beat anybody. It can happen. It's so surreal, too, when you consider, like, of all the people they could have found to just bring off the street, it's, like, it's Joe Flacco. Like, of all the names you could have thrown out there, a guy who tormented this team for so long, the Browns beat him twice in a uh, when he was in a Ravens uniform, and one of them, Josh McCown, had to set a team record for passing yards to win in overtime. So, like, it's pretty incredible that it's Joe Flacco. And Ashley, hearing him talk today and kind of the tone he's setting and just kind of looking through some of his playoff history. This guy's not going to be scared of anybody. I mean, he's gone against Tom Brady. He's gone against the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. He's gone against 
you know, some of the best teams, best players, best quarterbacks in their prime. And sometimes he's won, sometimes he's lost, but he's gone against them. He's been in big games. He's not going to be scared of, of anybody, you know, be it C.J. Stroud, Patrick Mahomes, Tua. Like, none of those names are going to scare him because he's gone against, you know, amazing quarterbacks in his career and won on the road. Yeah, um, and I was just thinking about, Mary Kay, you had it in your tweet from your daily story today on Joe, and the, they had this team meeting that we know about on Tuesday night, Kevin, or on Tuesday, and Kevin said, oh, players weren't supposed to tell you guys that that happened, but <laughs> some guys let it slip, and some of these guys who do have that playoff, that Super Bowl experience, talked, Joe was one of them, and Mary Kay, that quote about something's going to happen over the next five weeks that we're going to remember forever. I think when a guy like Joe Flacco says that, I mean, I almost have goosebumps. <laughs> How can you not have goosebumps if you are a guy on this team and hear something like that. I mean, I think he truly, like, believes that, and it's easy to inspire that belief in your teammates when you've been there, done that. Yeah, and it does feel like he's sort of embraced this idea of, like, everybody's in for this ride, wherever it takes them. We know, we know where they want it to take them, and we know where they think it can take them. But just that quote um, just makes me feel like this guy is just all in on just this ride. You know, so whatever he, he was saying with that quote, like you said in your story, Mary Kay, you mentioned, hey, Super Bowl, right? That's going to happen in the next five weeks. Or even if it's just like we're going to make a bunch of memories over the next however many weeks. Like he sort of has embraced and embodied that vibe of like, hey, this is pretty unlikely. We're here. Let's see where this can take us. Let's have some fun doing it. Yeah. You know, were you guys, I can't remember, were you guys standing right there? Now you got I, of, I was not standing there when he said that. I didn't hear him say that. I mean, because a lot of times you guys, obviously, when, when I'm listening to Joe, because I'm going to be writing Joe, you guys are off interviewing other people. But when I was standing there and I heard him say that, it was like zing, yeah, yeah. zing. You know, it was like, whoa, you really believe that this magical run is going to take place. And he's certainly not the only one on the team that feels that way. I talked to Obo last week and for like a quick second at his locker, and he said, I really want to come back for the Super Bowl run we are going to make. So that's what these guys believe, and they're not afraid to say it now. And even though they're very much of a 1-0 team, they're talking Super Bowl now, and as we've talked about before, I remember back in 2020, all of a sudden it was okay to start talking about winning the Super Bowl once they made the tournament. Kevin, like, loosens up the uh, the leash on that and, and lets Super Bowl talk happen a little bit. And when, and when Joe said that, I mean, I just thought, he believes, like, he really feels that this team is going to the Super Bowl. And you know what? I'm right there with him. I just feel like... With an elite quarterback and, or, you know, one of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL right now and the number one defense in the NFL, they can beat anybody. Having said that, we all know they could go down to Houston and lose, but they could also beat anyone in the NFL. I didn't feel that way in 2020. I did not feel that way in 2020. I didn't feel like Baker Mayfield was going to go into Kansas City and be better than Patrick Mahomes. I didn't feel that way. But now, this year, I don't feel that way about any team. I don't feel that way about any team. I feel even the Cleveland Browns can go into Baltimore and win that game. So I think it's going to be a wild and fun ride. Okay, let's. Uh, we almost had an "Is Joe Flacco elite?" debate there. Oh, yeah. You like started yourself, and then you corrected. This podcast could have gone a very different direction. <laughs> um, okay, Ashley, give us another reason why what Mary Kay just said yes. could happen. Another reason that the Browns could go to the Super Bowl is because of drumroll. 
this defense, which of course figured, finished out the regular season, number one overall defense in the league, number one pass defense in the league, number one third down defense, number one fourth down defense, number one defense in terms of only allowing 14 first downs a game to opponents. So all the stats are there. And I think, again, when we talk about talked about it after the game, right? This team's biggest, maybe, Achilles heel is the fact that the offense turns the ball over. The defense is so good, they've allowed them to overcome that. I think if we're looking at them ultimately playing in Las Vegas in a few weeks, it's going to be because this defense held down the fort on top of Joe Flacco winding the clock back. I, it's fun. Like, if the Browns do go to the Super Bowl, and they even if the, whether they win it or not, the story, the big story, the overarching story is going to be Joe Flacco because it's such an incredible, unlikely look. It was what we started with today, which we should have. It's such a crazy story, and I agree with you, Mary Kay. It's probably the the biggest story right now in the NFL, or one of them. Like, it's it's insane. But if they do get there, I think it's I think the actual story, like the actual reason it happens, is going to be the defense. And, you know, look, there were years with Tom Brady, right, where it was the defense that won them the Super Bowl. Or there have been other years with great quarterbacks where a defense has won them a Super Bowl, but the quarterback gets all the attention and the love because that's how it works. But I think this defense is why they're here. And now that you have a quarterback that could score some points along with this defense, that's really where that ceiling comes into play. Um, there's just so many numbers out there that puts this defense in the same class as we're talking the rate like historic Ravens defenses. We're talking some of the best defenses of this century. The Seahawks, the the, the one, the Super Bowl, the Legion of Boom. There are stats that have them in that class, and for them to really cement themselves, you got to go in a Super Bowl. But that's how good this defense is. It really is, and and I do think it's going to be a combo if they do it. Um, I think it will be, uh, you know, Joe and the defense, because I think it really has helped uh, that he has established this explosive connection with Amari Cooper and with David Njoku, and that they can go out there and they can score with anyone. They can hang with anyone. They can outscore anyone. Uh, So I think it will be both. But this defense is going to play with its hair on fire. And I'll tell you what, they've got guys coming back. Grant's going to try to come back. Uh, they've got a number of other guys. Juan Thornhill's going to try to come back for this. Obo Okoronko just came back. He brings the fire and the heat and the juice. He's convinced 100% that they're making the Super Bowl. And he's been to one before. So he knows what it takes. He knows that this defense is as good as that defense that he played with on the Rams. So, you know, they they really believe that they are team destiny this year and I don't think there is one player in that locker room that doesn't think they're going to the Super Bowl there's not one I mean they believe it in their heart of hearts and it's just going to be something to behold and it's really defensive guys too it's a lot of the defensive guys right it's Oboe like you've been saying it's you know Juan Thornhill tweets out the Pro Bowl announcement and says congratulations guys but don't plan on going um, so the defensive guys have really sort of taken this mantle with like, Hey, they, and you know, they've been the best in the world people for, uh, you know, all season long, you know, Juan Thornhill said this could be the best defense ever back before the season started. So like this defense has had that, that swag and they've carried themselves that way the whole time. And that, I feel like that's sort of where the mojo for this team comes from is that defense. And the reason Flacco is important is because I also don't think. 
Like it's not 2009 anymore or 2011 or whatever year you want to pick out. You don't win a lot of games 12 to 10. So you do have to score some points in the playoffs. They might win a playoff game 12 to 10. I don't know. But you got to be able to score points too. But this defense, it does give you that ability where if you do get into some kind of just grind it out game, you can go win it. Yeah, and I mean, we basically talked about, I think, with the turnovers, as long as you aren't turning over the ball and giving the opposing team great field position, like, inside the 10, even then, the Browns defense is going to probably make it a little tough on you to score, but you you don't want to be putting them in a position like that the whole game where they're not able to get some breaks and rest off the field, because another big part of this defense, too, is, and I've heard guys talk about this all year, it's the fact that they've been forcing, like, so many three and outs and getting off the field so quickly. Guys are, like, playing less snaps overall than they have in their careers. And I think that's an interesting part of all this, too. Like, we've seen the defense get banged up recently. But overall, I think these guys are feeling, like, fresh and feeling how you want to feel heading into the postseason. And we'll also point out they have a defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz, that Eagles team. You look at those three games leading up to the Super Bowl. The way they won those games, that defense was incredible. And then they get to the, I guess it was two games before the Super Bowl. Then they get to the Super Bowl and win a shootout. So the Browns have that ability to, to kind of duplicate that template here. Um, okay, my, I think my contribution, and this, listen, my cold, dead heart <laughs> that never believes this stuff, that always kind of looks side-eyed when people start talking about this and players start talking about this. I think when this team talks about how close they are and together they are, it feels real. Like, I think it's a big piece of why this team is where they are. And so JOK said something interesting today that Taki Taki told him. Um, and he was talking about 2020. Like, it wasn't like this in 2020. And I thought, like, if, of course it wasn't, right? Because everything was virtual and they couldn't even be in the building together. And they were everything was on Zoom. And then they could drive in for practice and then they'd drive home and do meetings on Zoom. And everybody was wearing masks when they were together. And so it was impossible to have this, what they have now. I think whatever Kevin has done, right, whether it's the Greenbrier, Philly, L.A., whatever he's done to kind of build this culture and build this group together, I think it's real when guys talk about it. It feels real. It looks real. And it sort of speaks to this opportunity in front of them because, look, they might, they might be close again next year. They might have a really great group next year. But who knows? You just never know year to year what a team or a locker room is going to look or feel like. And when contracts get involved and money gets involved and all of that, this just speaks to that opportunity in front of them, Mary Kay. Yes, absolutely. It really does. And I'll tell you what, this team, and you know, I've been a lot around a lot of Browns teams over the years. This team really genuinely is very close knit. They will do anything for each other. And one of the most important ways to develop that culture is to add players onto the team that are good guys, that will run through a wall for you, that are not, that are selfless, that love the game. I mean, you can't take a bunch of ne'er-do-wells and think you're going to have a good culture on a team. And that's why they're so careful about who they put onto their football team. They're very, very careful about that. Um, you know, this year you just don't have guys pulling in opposite directions, pointing fingers at each other, uh, griping in the locker room, what, you know, to anybody who will listen. And those things were happening over the last couple of years. Everybody's on the same page. I'm sure that Joe Flacco knows that he walked into an incredible culture. You can tell. He feels it. He knows it. He, you know, he knows. He's been on good teams and he's been on bad teams. He's been in good organizations. He's been in bad organizations. This is a really, really good organization and team right now where they all are together on the same page 
and I think it's going to carry them far. And Ashley, I think you were in Shelby's scrum after the Jets game um, when he talked about this was the closest D-line he's ever been on. And he's been on a few. And I, th- I, I asked him, like, you joined this team in the middle. Like, he joined when they were in Philly. So, like, did you notice that right away? Like, did you notice you were getting dropped into something a little different? And he didn't hesitate. And Shelby's not a guy that, like, sugarcoats. Like, he mm. kind of tells you what he's thinking. And that was another thing that stuck with me. Like, and we see it after games. I mean, you've mentioned the Baltimore locker room. We, we see it after games. Like, these guys are hanging around after the game. They're, they're, not, they're not running to get on the bus. Even this last game when a bunch of starters didn't play. And there were still guys just kind of hanging out in there. Like, nobody was really running out to just jump on the bus and, and wait for everybody else. Yeah, you know, I wasn't in that that Shelby's room, but it's funny because he has said that before <laughs> this season. I'm pretty sure he said it after the Niners game, I want to say, too. So even going back that far, that much earlier in the season, and you're right, I think when those veteran guys say that stuff, it holds a certain weight because they have a certain amount of experience that, you know, allows them to compare and contrast these different teams they've been on. So, I definitely think, like, you just see it. I mean, like, Marcus, you think about the last two years here. Think about Jadavian Clowney last year and how much strife that was causing and the yelling in the locker room. And the year before that, you had OBJ leaving. You had the defense, like, versus Baker, what it felt like at some times when he was playing poorly with the hurt shoulder and they were doing everything they can to try to keep them in games. Like, it just has not been like this at all. And I think, like, when you don't even realize how important that piece is until you have it and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is what this team has been missing. And I, I think it's I think it's telling too that it was kind of on Jim Schwartz's side of the ball where you really had some of those kind of grown-ups at it, right? Like here comes Rodney McLeod. He's not coming here to start. He knew, he knew what his role was going to be. He knew he was coming here in part to sort of be another coach. Obviously he wanted to play and, and continue to contribute, which he was before he got hurt. Bringing back, back Anthony Walker on another one-year deal, like – you know, Anthony Walker knows who he is, and he's a good player, but he's not your star. He's not going to go to Pro Bowls and be an All-Pro and all that, but he knows what his role is, and you see it on that side of the ball especially, these kind of veteran guys coming in and just sort of offering guidance. And then on the other side, of course, you have a guy like Joel, right? And, and you have Amari, and, and you have other players there who, who are kind of these grown-ups on, on that side of the ball, and I think that's a big piece of it. That's absolutely true. And not only do they bring high character, but they bring high energy and they bring the juice. And I think that's important because when we look back to those Baltimore Ravens teams, uh, you know, say what you will about Ray Lewis. And I know he's a controversial figure, but he brought the heat and he brought the fire. And they've got guys on this team that can do that. Oboe is one of those guys. I think Juan Thornhill is one of those guys. You know, these guys have been to the Super Bowl before. They know what it takes. Uh, so in addition to high culture, uh, they've added high energy, high personality. Because, I mean, Miles Garrett, he's not like a super crazy, wild, vocal leader. But you put Oboe out there, you put Z out there. I mean, you put some of these guys out there on that field and, uh, you know, and, and you're going to get a different energy. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, David was one of those guys who wasn't on the same wavelength as everyone else. He wasn't on the same bus or train as everyone else. He didn't want to buy into the program and he had to get on board. It was either get on board or, you know, you can't be part of this. And he is a perfect example of, of what it's like. Uh, you know, to completely 100% buy into this program. And it's been dynamite on that side of the ball 
uh, to, you know, to have him transform from someone who was taking away from the offense to someone who's really adding to it. And, and remember, it was even Baker against Kevin. Yeah. In 2021. Yeah. In addition to Baker versus, you know, other entities, it was, you know, coach versus quarterback, you know. So it just hasn't been like this before where everybody is going in the same direction. So it's when you brought up Ray Lewis, I I thought of this. um, Speaking of what a guy like that means, right? We talk about that Joe Flacco Super Bowl run. Uh, The Ravens were five and one that season. Then Ray Lewis got hurt and he didn't come back to the. Guess when he came back, right? The playoffs, when they, when they go 4-0 and in the playoffs. Now, that's not to take away from Joe, but, like, it just shows you get a player like that back, what he can do to a team and how it can galvanize a team. And having players like that, is, it's, it matters. It's really, really important to have, whether it's kind of a, a more thoughtful sort of a thoughtful guy like Rodney McLeod or just a fiery guy like Oboe or what, whatever to have different types of leaders and different types of guys to, to kind of get your defense going and both sides of the ball too. Yeah. And I mean, along those lines too, like I think the other part with those vocal leaders, like looking at both sides of the ball, it's like Cleveland didn't necessarily, I think have that vocal guy. Like you can make an argument for Deshaun. Like he's pretty vocal when we've seen him out there. Obviously, he got hurt halfway through. Like, your other main guys on offense, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper. Nick's been hurt, but he's not a vocal leader either. He's more of a lead-by-example kind of guy. Same thing with Amari. He's very thoughtful. He's not that big, flashy personality. So I do think it helps to have those, you know, maybe quote-unquote flashier personalities, even if they are in other roles, and just that energy they can bring. I mean, it's like part of their job for what this team needs right now, what it's needed this season, and it's almost as vital as anything they do X's and O's wise. Mary Kate, were you going to add something there? You know what? I was, but I can't remember what. Okay. It. <laughs> Fair enough. But I can't remember what it was. It's been a long season. We're just we're just getting started too. Joe Flacco said we're going to make a bunch of memories over the next five weeks. So uh, there we go. We'll take a break. Lance Risen will join us on the other side here on our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Wednesday, and I am joined, as I am every week, by Lance Reisland. Lance, how are you? Dan, I am well. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Before we before we start this segment, though, I do want to tell everybody, I always promote this at the end. I want to say it here at the beginning. Um, if you're listening and you're not following us on Instagram, don't you don't have to stop listening. Just, just swipe up on the app here real quick. Go to Instagram on your phone. Search Orange and Brown Talk. You're still listening to me while you're doing this. Search Orange and Brown Talk, hit that follow button. Lance is a follower. Uh, and actually, look for Lance, too, because he posts a lot of film stuff on Instagram as well. Lance, what, what is your Instagram handle? Just Lance Reisland. Just there we go. my full, full name. Simple. Perfect. Okay, so do that while you're listening here. Just open up that Instagram app and, and give Orange and Brown Talk a follow. Give Lance a follow. All right, Lance, let's get to it. I got to ask you about Sunday's game. Uh, I'm sure that was a I'm sure that was a fun watch for you uh, to go back and rewatch that game as well. But um, I do want to ask, like, were there any young guys that stood out watching that game? Well, yeah, it was tough to watch. You know, it was it. You didn't know how they were going to treat the game and, and the, the Bengals. I didn't know they were going to go full bore. So uh, good for them. I, I understand completely. But I like the Browns. They stuck to their plan. Uh, three guys defensively uh, stuck out to me. Uh, first one is Tony Fields. Obviously, he's played a lot with the guys, but. He, you know, he's a guy who constantly makes plays and plays with great energy. You know, he has 10 tackles. Um, another guy, uh, Ashley wrote about, great article day, D'Anthony Bell, another guy who is 
shows up everywhere. Six total tackles, had a pick, incredible pick. Um, and then a guy who I think has improved in terms of where he's come from until he's now is Alex Wright. And a guy who had six total tackles, two tackles for a loss and a sack. And I think his handwork, his um, his pass rush plan has gotten incredibly uh, advanced compared to what it was, you know, and, and I remember talking to you last year about him in terms of like, he was just a big guy at UAB who used his size and just would get to a shoulder and go. That doesn't work in the NFL. And he's really worked his, um, his craft. And there's a good ex- example of having a guy who doesn't have to play. Like last year he was kind of thrown to the wolves. Now that they got these guys, he's kind of in the role that they should have had him in last year, or he would have been successful in last year where he's learning, he's coming with fresh legs. Uh, but those three particular guys uh, really impressed me. Eka played with great energy, but he got upfield too much and they trapped and whammed him. Uh, I think those young guys inside, I think it was great. Uh, it was great because they got a lot of work against some really good offensive linemen. Uh, but those three guys in particular offensively was a struggle. Offense was, uh, um, they didn't do much. Not much scheming, very, very simple. Uh, I thought Pierre Strong ran hard. Uh, I always think he runs hard. Whitner did a couple things uh, inside, couple uh, anchored pretty well in pass protection. But those three guys on defense were the ones who impressed me. Well, and so I'm, I'm glad we did this because those three guys, DeAnthony Bell, uh, Tony Fields, and Alex Wright, obviously they're not going to play as big a roles as they did on Sunday, but those guys do play, and they're going to need those guys as they go through the playoffs here. Like all of those guys have roles, be it on special teams. Uh, they all will play on the defensive side of the ball. So for them to show up in that game and play well with their opportunities should be pretty encouraging for this team heading into the playoffs. Well, you know, and they play with great energy. That defense, you know, they were just outmanned in terms of, like, they just haven't gotten the reps and gotten the work and having so many uh, new guys in there, especially with that defensive line. They got moved around a little bit, and that was just all because they hadn't played. And, um, you know, that's what learning is, and that's a great experience for them. Uh, and it gives your guys a chance to rest, which is so important. I don't care what anybody says. Those those guys are big humans, and they need to rest their bodies. And uh, they've banked a lot of reps. They know what they're doing. And I, for those young guys, especially those three, uh, the thing I really liked, more importantly, is their, I thought their operation was really good on both sides of the ball. Uh, they looked in terms of how they practice. That's how you and I watch them practice all the time in summer. Uh, they're organized. They're upbeat. They run from, you know, they're in and out. There's no, there's not a lot of formation issues. There's some, but uh, just a very well-run game. Uh, just got outmanned by starters and that was it. <clears throat> but I, I thought they played pretty hard. Okay. So I want to look a little bit back at that Texans game the first time. Obviously we're going to talk a lot about this uh, upcoming game, this upcoming Saturday game for our Friday preview pod. So I don't want to spoil a ton of that, but just to kind of peek ahead a little bit. Obviously, the big story of that game was Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper. Uh, Cooper sets a team record with 265 receiving yards, and that's most of the damage that Joe Flacco did was throwing to Amari. Now, he did have a good day throwing to Njoku as well. Njoku had a really nice touchdown in that game, but the story was Flacco and Amari. Why did those two have so much success in that first matchup? Well, they, you know, they they singled up uh, Amari Cooper on uh, the guys that get, you know, Gibson and Singh. They couldn't cover him, and he's such a good route runner. And uh, Flacco was just kind of sitting on it, and uh, you know, that game was interesting. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at the stuff. It was it was 36 to seven with 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So the game was kind of out of reach, and then they got back in it, and they had an outside kick. And we'll talk about that more on Thursday, like you said. But those two uh, just got it clicking, and. Uh, he throws such a catchable ball in terms of he understands where Cooper's going to be. Uh, he throws it with great touch. He, uh, you know, the throw that's necessary for the route in terms of does he need a bullet on a slant? Does he need to go with his shoulder on a fade? He just has really, really good uh, deep ball. Uh, and I think the deep ball is overrated. I think what Flacco is doing 
incredibly well is the chunk plays, 27 of them, uh, 20 yarders in that 15 to 25 range. Those are the chunk plays you need so you don't have to go, you know, you know, 12 plays. And that's what he's doing. And that's where Cooper runs his outs real well. Uh, those double moves, those verticals, those outs. Uh, he's just such a he's such a dynamic route runner. Um, and Flacco just kind of – and the Texans, you know, I don't know if they didn't think Flacco was going to be able to do that. You know, there was they'll, – they'll have a, a better plan, but so will Stefanski. They'll move him around. Uh, but, yeah, just a very good connection, immediate connection to uh, two veterans who knew what uh, each other were uh, doing very well. And I, I think if – you know, I just remember in that game a number of catches from Cooper where it was sort of like Flacco didn't have any place else to go with the ball. So he just kind of put it in a spot where – Cooper maybe had to make a spectacular catch, but it was good. It was going to be Cooper or nothing, uh, whether it was a fourth down play or whatever it was. Um, and he made like two or three catches where I just couldn't believe it, where you, you have to lean back and look at the replay or look at the replay on the big board. Cause you can't believe that was actually a catch. You see it. And it's like, Oh wow. He really did catch that. And I think Flacco has a great understanding of, I got nothing else. So I'm just going to throw the ball to number two and let him make a play. Well, you know, if you look at like their one touchdown, the level, you know, opening play of the game, hits him on a post, the safety, real hot, easy, high, low on the safety. Then he's got a levels concept where he has the first level and second level. And it's kind of like a, a, a no-no for a quarterback. The first level's open, you take it. Uh, then he just throws, you know, throws it down the sideline to Cooper. He makes a great catch. So uh, agreed. He just, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the route that he scored, I'm sorry that he broke the record, got the 265. That was just a great route. And, and for Flacco, that play's just over. Stingley's in man coverage all out there by himself at eight yards. He knows. Cooper's going to straighten him up with the uh, go inside to get outside on their out route. It was, you know, everybody thinks it was close. It was not, you know, you're a pro. Those are easy throws and catches. And and I think when Cooper, I think when he gets single coverage or gets a matchup that he's going to win or feels he can win, I think he has a lot of confidence that Flacco is going to get him the ball. Uh, And that's huge in getting other guys open in terms of stretching the field, uh, running all your routes full go. All those guys know, um, that Flacco can now stretch the field a little bit. And I, and I think that helps uh, in terms of those deep routes because now they're getting those chunk plays. Okay, this was – I'm just putting this on a tee for you. I texted this to you earlier, and I could feel the excitement just coming through the phone when you responded. So, I'm, I'm, But I'm making you limit yourself to one on each side of the ball, so I think this is going to be hard. Let's start on the offensive side. Who is your favorite Browns player to watch on tape this year? Well, you know, this year, as compared to last year, a lot, a lot of film study. And, and we did a lot last year, too, but we did a lot of, like, rewatching. So every game got a, a number of rewinds. And actually, I thought it was going to be hard. It was easier than I thought. I was like, oh, man, I get one. I was gonna actually going to test you and say, can I get, you know, two maybe? But I'm going to say on offense, it actually came down that it was pretty easy at the end. David Njoku is my favorite. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who has 81 catches. He's versatile. He puts his hand on the ground. Uh, he blocks linebackers. He blocks down on uh, five techniques. Uh, he plays in the slot. Uh, he plays outside at one. He's a matchup nightmare for linebackers, safeties, corners. His run after catch has been as good, the best in the NFL this year, especially for tight ends. Uh, he's a red zone nightmare. Um, he's as complete a tight end right now as there is in the NFL. And I'm actually going to kind of do a story on that because I think, you know, you have the Kelseys of the world who catch the ball. They're flank guys, but they're not inline guys. You can actually say Nujoku's an inline guy, put his hand on the ground and, and will mic block you. Or you can split him out and he can do receiver stuff. So he does Kittle stuff inside. He does Kelsey stuff outside. He's as complete as it gets. And I just like him. I like his, I like his interviews. I like talking to him this summer. He's just such a – he seems like such a team guy. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because I uh, – 
I have all my st- my stuff from camp, and you re- the reason he's successful is that I have so many clips of him or so many videos of him just working on his craft, working on his toe touches, working on his hands, working on his feet uh, over and over. And I got, you know, just clip after clip of him working at his craft. And, you know, his success is not an accident. He works at it. And he's a team guy, and he went from a guy who had to block and he didn't care, he did it, to a guy who wants to stay in Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, after I broke it down, there's some obvious choices. Cooper and all those guys are great. I think Ford did a nice job. The O-line, the interior guys are my guys. Those guards and center are great. But Najoku, for his versatility, was my for sure my uh, my guy on offense. Not easy, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing about Najoku, when you talk about tight ends, everybody wants to default to Kelsey, right? But I think for Najoku, the goal was always to make him that versatile all-around tight end. And that's when you talk about the George Kittles. That's when you talk about Mark Andrews. Um, that's when you talk about, now, I don't I don't use this lightly. I'm not saying he is this guy. I think this guy's the best tight end I've ever seen. You talk about Rob Gronkowski, right, who was amazing in the past game, but was also like a left tackle. Um, that's, that's the type of tight end you want Najoku to be. You want him to be able to make those plays in the receiving game, but also be a guy that can make plays in, in the run game and the blocking game and be a guy that's on the field every single down. Well, if you, you know, the, 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 the Patriots kind of started that back with Gronk and, and Hernandez where they would, they were going to go two tight end, they're going to go 12 personnel and then whatever you had to bring in. So that's exactly right. So with Kelsey, you're going to get nickel because he's a receiver and he's got those skills. But when you get the Kittles, when you get Njoku's, these guys, the Gronkowski is as good as it gets. And I agree with you. That's a great, uh, he might be the, um, kind of the standard in terms of like if you bring in nickel he'll put his hand on the ground and they're going to run counter or zone right at you if you bring in regular personnel they'll split them out and that's what they did uh when they had those two good tight ends in, in new england is they would go 12 personnel and they based on what you put in and then they let brady go to work so that's what that flexible tight end does for you it gives you a three-man side that you could power run which the fancy loves to do and then if you go nickel or you know regular personnel he's a matchup nightmare he's too big for corners. He's too fast and tall for, um, for linebackers. He's too physical for safeties. Um, and you're seeing that when he catches the ball, uh, he's just a versatile guy. And, and, and that's why I love watching his film. Okay. Other side of the ball, favorite, favorite player to watch on defense this year. Well, I tried to go away from like, you know, the norm. Let's get, let's not, let's not go Zedarius. Let's not go miles. Those guys are great. They have, there's a lot of guys that I really liked, but my favorite guy is JOK. And the reason why is that, you know, you're talking about a guy, 101 tackles, three, three sack, three and a half sacks, 20 tackles for a loss, six passes defended, uh, two interception, one forced fumble. Uh, he's twitchy. He's sudden. Uh, he plays the linebacker position a little bit. Like I always say, like uh, my dad would like be like, Oh my gosh. Cause he doesn't always take it on with the correct shoulder. He's not always fundamentally super like, this is how you do it. He's just a freak athlete who loves to play. And when you see him in space and, you know, I have, uh, you know, I wrote an article last week on him in terms of like, they brought, they brought him off the edge. He's covered people. He blitzes in the middle. He's played the will. He's played the Sam. He's become, you know, he's done just about everything on the defense. He's a, he might be the prototype of what Schwartz wants on that second level because he can play Mike backer or he can cover, he can cover some slot receivers. So he's so talented. So uh, his physicality, his uh, emotion, his energy, Newsom's another guy who just there's you got to have those guys you got to have the wards right quiet superstar but then you got to have those kind of those those outlaws right those guys who are just a little bit on edge at all times and JOK is one of those guys Zadarius Smith's another guy so at all three levels they got these guys who are kind of like loose cannons in a good way 
Uh, and that's what makes their defense so good. But JOK and his versatility, very much similar to uh, Nijoku on the uh, offensive side of the ball. He could just do so much. Uh, he's Now he's a three-down backer. He's going to get a little thicker as he gets a little bit older. He's still learning the position. So I think sky's the limit for him. I think he's a potential like all-pro guy uh, because he can do so much. So those two, um, when I looked at all the film and all my notes, and I tried to look at everything today, those were my two that like I had the most stuff on uh, week to week. Yeah, and, th- and those two are cool because those are obviously two guys that um, in different stages of their career and kind of different points of the season kind of made that leap um, mm-hmm. and, and that jump that you wanted to see them make. So, all right, wild card week, but it doesn't change our pattern. It doesn't change our process. Uh, we continue with what we do every week, you know, trying to go 1-0, and and that means that we have to answer Lance's question of the week. All right, question of the week, very simple. And it actually, I got it from uh, got it from one of my kids. It basically, what is, if you could pick one superhero power, what would it be and why? Superhero power, what would it be and why? Okay, well, this is a little prisoner of the moment. Okay. Um, and there are, there are better options here. But getting to Houston this weekend is a pain. The, the Houston oh. Marathon's going on. Flights are super expensive. They're inconvenient. I'm not flying until like eight o'clock on Friday night and I'm going out of Detroit. So I got to drive to Detroit. So this is prisoner of the moment, but man, it would be easy if I could just like walk out my door and just shoot up in the air and fly to Houston. Like oh, that. so you go, so, you want to you, you fly. Oh, you're not, I thought you were going to say teleport. You just want, you want to fly. Well, okay. Yeah. Teleporting would be fun, but I do sort of enjoy the journey. You know, like it would be cool to like fly, see some things. I could stop maybe on the way if I wanted to, because uh, I feel like I could fly pretty quickly, right? Like you can fly. I mean, Superman went so fast he turned he turned back time. So <laughs> well, you, I think I, I could say, do if, it's, that. if you could fly, I think you have your. I think you set the the the, the parameters of your speed. I think if that's I think yeah. that's the, I think that's what you do. So yeah, yeah you so, get there. <laughs> There are better options. There, I, I'm going to have regrets as soon as we're done with this pod. Mm-hmm. There are certainly better options and, and ones that I would choose. But again, just being prisoner of the moment, um, just not wanting to deal with all the travel hassles of, you know, and we're in the playoffs, so I don't know where I'm going week to week. So you're kind of scrambling to get flights and things. So it's, it's just right now, I just want to be able to walk out my door. So I got you. I caught get to, you. Get to Houston. I caught you at a good time. I was trying to get a little bit different this week because I know we're gonna we'll have a bunch of these Aussies, but I was like, yeah, that's a good one. Superhero power. Uh, I went with a little bit different. I went with um, not traditional. I was trying to think, you know, it's invisible. I went with feeling no pain. I went with never feeling any pain. And I was thinking to myself, especially when I was coaching, like you could demonstrate and like you know get your team amped up, and there's certain things you could do. Uh, and now I'm getting now now I'm getting older. Uh, I'd like not to feel as much pain when I'm on my you know when you're running and lifting and doing those things. So I'm gonna go with like zero pain uh, is my is my superhero power. I never feel pain. Um, that's not. It's that's, a little different, but good. I like it. Yeah, honestly, I gotta say, if somebody says invisibility, that's a red flag. Oh, there's a no red question. flag if somebody tells me invisibility. I'm like, I do. Are you sure about that? That kind of freaks like, me out a little bit. Like immediately, like immediately, you know, immediately you go like, there's nothing, there's nothing you want to do that's you can't do that you want to do. I'm, I'm completely with you. I would not. That's a, you know, I mean, obviously, maybe like when you're younger, like concerts and things like that, get into places, you know. But right now, you get a little older. Uh, I like the, I like the teleporting. Yeah. Couple, guy, a couple guys in our forties, we cannot say invisibility. That's just, <laughs> yeah. you just uh, again, no. instant red flag. 
uh, a complete red flag. So anyway, <laughs> another solid answer by you. I knew you, uh, I, your, your thought process in these are very, very good. I like, I like how you attack them and there's, there's like, there's a process and I, you don't just, you, you take a deep breath and you think about it. And I appreciate that. You have to, you have to think through it. Definitely. Okay. That is Lance Reisland. And that is our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I told you about Instagram. Also find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com and become a football insider subscriber, uh, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page for that. For Lance, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.